Hi, this is Dr. Randy Bach. Today is January 27th, 2023, and I'm here with Coronavirus uh, Conversation. Uh, today's topic is directed evolution. Um, if you don't know what that is, you should. Uh, I didn't really know the term per se. I mean, it's kind of an obvious uh, concept. <laughs> evolution is something that evolves, and direction is something that you direct. And so uh, technically, the term is an oxymoron. Um, but the idea, I guess, here is a little bit like breeding uh, to which would be perhaps a better term, is to uh, direct <clears throat> the evolution of viruses, perhaps, or other organisms uh, towards goal you might want. Um, and in, in this case, it's the subject of a, I guess, kind of a mind-blowing video, uh, which you should see if you have not. Uh, you cannot see it on um, CBS, ABC, uh, NBC, um, any uh, probably of the regular news shows. Uh, just try Googling uh, the term uh, Jordan Tristan Walker, I guess, uh, and I gather he's a Yale uh, college graduate, as was I, probably uh, uh, 40 years prior to him, um, or 35 or so, um, and he went on to medical school um, in Texas, perhaps, and he works uh, in a role at Pfizer, uh, but you would not know this by, by checking Google, and uh, frankly, any of the search engines right now, the whole thing has been scrubbed. Um, he's a, a boom, just kind of disappeared non-person. Um, and if you go to Google right now today, you'll say, you know, see a sign on Google that's very unusual. It's kind of a blackout uh, page and said, this is all under uh, on development right now. We don't have anything. It's news developing. Come back again. Uh, kind of like those old, maybe a lot of you may not remember the old days of TV when the screen kind of, you know, uh, they've lost uh, broadcast and they give you that um kind of screen with a number or some stripes or whatever. Uh, I, I'm sure you've seen, uh, apps, you know, kind of videos of it on uh, The Simpsons or, or uh, you know, retro TV shows. Anyway, uh, Google itself, uh, which can connect to, you know, millions of uh, pages or billions or whatever in, in seconds or milliseconds, uh, can't come up with anything at all on uh, Tristan, uh, excuse me, Jordan Tristan Walker, MD. Um, and I don't know what his situation is. Uh, the video is astounding. Uh, Project Veritas, uh, whom you should uh, take a look at on Twitter, um, Project underscore Veritas, which is ironic because uh, uh, Yale's own motto is looks at Veritas. Um, they did an undercover um, you know, date uh, with this gentleman uh, during which he gives some really shocking information. Uh, afterwards, and when he finds out he's been taped, he says he's just lying. He's a, he says, I'm a liar, um, of which, you know, from a logical sense, he could be lying at that moment as well, if he's in that in fact that much of a liar. I don't really think he is lying uh, entirely. Um, he, you know, comes up with the term directed evolution. Um, this is nothing, you know, really date material. Um, he talks in detail about Pfizer's business model, which is not necessarily that far-fetched if you were to think about it. Uh, they are currently in the vaccine business and they want to get ahead of things. And so they're talking about directed evolution to uh, produce new strains, in this case of coronavirus and perhaps other viruses, um, so they can have vaccines at the ready. Uh, this is not necessarily a horrible thing all by itself. Um, the secretiveness of it is, and the, the, the idea that they might be um, you know, prepared to unleash some viruses uh, out in the wild are also problems. I think this might ultimately turn out to be a bit of a tempest in a teapot. That is an exaggeration um, because we don't know exactly what Pfizer is doing. 
uh, how good this guy's handle is on it, and whether in fact they've done this or just talked about it. Uh, he did uh, admit, you know, to Pfizer's credit, that they didn't have anything to do with creating Omicron. Um, he said, uh, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't, we weren't on on the ball with Omicron. We didn't have anything fast enough. Uh, now they do. There's a bivalent vaccine that uh, a lot of people are being mandated to take, um, and certainly encouraged, which is doubly pointless, as I've mentioned many, many, many times. And you could uh, look at my article on this topic in the Daily Skeptic from, I think, September uh, 2022. Um, and Omicron is not really COVID-19. It's not genomically related, and it's kind of common cold level, and coronaviruses have always caused common colds, and it's probably one of those or something like it. Uh, whether it's SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 related or not. And so the bivalent vaccine is two parts. One is to ancestral, antiquated, completely disappeared SARS-CoV-2, which doesn't exist in any person at all on earth. And so you don't need it anymore. And in fact, even having and injecting it is, is somewhat not only purposeless, but potentially dangerous because uh, there is a thing called antibody-dependent antibody enhancement, ADE, um, which if you keep re-challenging um, the body with... Uh, um, protein from something you've already exposed, been exposed to, you might have an overreaction. Um, and, and then the other half is the to Omicron, which is, you know, we've never really vaccinated against the common cold. Anyway, so he, you know, Tr Jordan Tristan Walker, MD, uh, Dr. Walker, uh, makes, you know, that claim that, that they had nothing to do with Omicron, all well and good. So I don't think they're in the monster Frankenstein, um, you know, unleashing uh, horror movie um, viruses into the populace. But the, 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 for me, the bigger bombshell from what he said was later on in this interview when he was talking about uh, the term, it's very you know, kind of unremarkable term, regulatory capture. And what does that mean? Uh, in essence, it is, it's crony capitalism. It's, it's in a sense the essence of fascism. Um, and people, you know, I think are a little bit diffuse about what is fascist. They call people fascists all the time, call people racist, they call people this and that. Um, and I was in a, a car ride uh, down to a brownstone event uh, on, on Monday, excuse me, on Wednesday, it's uh, brownstone.org, uh, in which I've also written a piece on Zika. And I recommend you go to their site. It's, it's marvelous, uh, intelligent writing, excellent editing. And they've been covering all things COVID, freedom, and so forth at brownstone.org. Very simple title, e easy to remember. Um, and on the way down, maybe the way back, we were talking about what fascism comes from. And originally, the, 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 the term is, I mean, we have plantar, plantar fasciitis, you probably you know, you know, does that mean you have fascism in your foot? Um, so we have fascia, uh, which is groups of tendons together. And and the original term in, in Latin uh, amongst the Romans was for a sheaf, a, a bundling of, of sticks or branches or or wheat or twigs, any of those things. Individually, one one will break. But if you put them all together, it's really hard to break. So if you have, you know, a bunch of wheat and, you know, you can take one stick or grass, whatever, bend it. Um, but you put them all together and bind them together with rope, um, you get a strong unit together. And that, that's called the fascia. And um, the symbol for the um, Roman Senate, I believe, was um, um, was a fascia uh, holding an axe uh, head. So instead of a piece of wood holding the axe, you have this bundle of sticks holding the axe. So I think the concept for the Romans um, was, uh, you know, together we will form strength and, and that strength will, you know, commit and, and, and promote our safety by the accent. So together we can form uh, a reasonable uh, force. And that of course worked for, I don't know, maybe 1500, 1500 years, thousand years, whatever uh, was the dominant 
uh, force and certainly that part of the world and one of the dominant empires ever seen. So the, the concept of fascia um, was one of, of bringing people together for strength. This is a very common uh, human um, thing to do. And it's something we all you know, aim to do when we form groups of any kind, you know, activism, uh, congregations, uh, political parties and so forth. They're all in the, in the antique Roman sense, fascist. You know, they are bringing people together to bring strength to them. Um, now, where did, the, where did things go awry for that word? Um, well, Mussolini uh, in the 1930s uh, was a socialist and in the 20s was a socialist and he came to power as a socialist. Um, but his concept was uh, to bring back as well, he was, he was more of a national socialist as opposed to the international socialist of the Soviets. Uh, the Soviets wanted the workers of the world to unite. So they, they envisioned a world government uh, run by the workers or in a sense run by the communists themselves and, and branching out from Russia. So they were um, more concerned. They weren't concerned. With, they wanted to get rid of nationhood. They saw nationhood as an impediment towards their goal of taking over the world. So the nations had to dissolve so the workers of the world could unite and take the world back in their view uh, from the uh, interlopers, the uh, manipulators, the capitalists, as they call them, uh, free market, uh, people who create things and so forth, and, um, and and bring capital to business and create business and whatnot. Anyway, without getting too political about this, um, the the uh, national socialists, of which you know Hitler later took the term, in essence, from Mussolini, uh, the Nazi, this is a national um, um, socialist workers' party, the NADP, I believe, the, the Nazis, um, and uh, I think it's the National Association Deutsche, um, I'm me, National Arbeiter Deutsche Popular, whatever party. And so it's the National uh, German Workers Party, the Socialist Party. So that's what the Nazis were. And Nazi stands for National Socialist. Um, anyway, uh, Mussolini wanted to make his, you know, to aggrandize himself and the country and so forth. And it was Italy. And the last great empire that Italy had had was, was Rome. And so he brought back the symbol of the Roman Senate, the fascia, and, uh, and went with that and, and became a fascist, um, but not as a derogatory term, but as, a, as a, a, a concept of binding people together. And part of this binding together was binding government to business. And so it's in a sense, crony, what we might call crony capitalism today. And, and there's a merging of, of uh, government interests and business interests. So you don't pick every business. You're not going to pick uh, mom and pop stores and so forth. You're going to pick the biggest ones that already are in the game and they have the money to help you politically and then you politically have the way to, ways to help them uh, get ahead with through laws and and carve outs uh, and so forth so it becomes kind of a kickback feedback loop uh, for the companies and they profit and the government profits and everyone goes ahead i mean who, who loses in this you know example well the, the people tend to lose because they're losing freedom they're losing freedom of choice uh, the government is picking out winners and losers amongst businesses when ordinarily that's the vote of, of people with their own wallets and choices and whatnot. Um, and so that's the essence of fascism and it has this aspect of crony capitalism where you're again, picking government, governmentally picking winners and losers in the market. And so the, the, the market, the, the bigger companies um, will send a lot of money and favors, uh, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, above board and below board uh, to governmental workers who can help them. Uh, so this is the real problem that, that, you know, I think is clouded over by the, the more sensational aspects of this video. Uh, if you watch it, and you should, uh, he, he, once he finds out he's been taped, he goes kind of ballistic, um, nuts and so forth. He commits assault, I guess, and he you know, breaks property uh, from Project Veritas and so forth. 
and uh, he, I think he sees the handwriting on the wall that his career is over and, and things are ruined for him and he wants to undo it. Um, and then he says he's just lying. And I, I, I think not. I think that there are probably some exaggerations in what he was saying, but I think the essence of what he's saying is likely true. But again, I think people are focusing on the, the wrong part of this. They're not focusing on the regulatory capture part. So what do I mean by that? Well, he, he describes, um, Dr. Walker describes this as basically offering money, but, you know, it's basically in kind, jobs, influence, um, prestige to uh, governmental uh, regulators after the fact. So when they leave their job at the FDA or the CDC or the NIH, or any of these places in power relative to the pharmaceutical slash vaccine industry, they will be on the pipeline to get something better in their next life um, as a, in the private life. So they can retire young, get a, a governmental pension because they're very, you know, U.S. government is very generous. And then they can get something at Pfizer or Moderna or whatever. And so that's what he's talking about. This is regulatory capture. This is a bigger virus than the virus, in a sense, because, you know, God knows it's, it's difficult to, uh, you know, just come up with bio, um, you know, kind of perfect uh, biohazard viruses because, you know, the, the, the viruses themselves do this all the time. They're mutating much faster, more efficiently in the sense than Pfizer can have them do. And, and they, you know, encounter, you know, millions and hundreds of millions and billions of people all the time. And they're probably doing this, their own laboratory out in the world. And it takes a little bit of effort to find something that will match humans. And if it's, again, it's too severe, it tends to, to, to wipe itself out too quickly, like in the Ebola model um, that, that burns too quickly and then disappears. Whereas, you know, COVID, if it was, you know, more dangerous in the first realm, round, which it was, uh, tends to get milder and milder with each successive alpha, beta, delta, Greek letter going on now to uh, Omicron, which is really not part of the sequence. But nonetheless, the example still holds that they tend to self-attenuate when they don't have an animal host in which to go hide and, 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 and uh, not be killed off by you know, regular immune mechanisms. Anyway, so I just want to leave that there, um, that, that really the, the, the problem here is the immune capture part. Um, excuse me, is the regulatory capture part. And that's, that's where I think we should really focus um, our attention as, say, reverse activists and trying to figure out, unravel what happened uh, during the COVID period. Um, I think we should have high levels of scrutiny on people uh, leaving government like, doc, I think it's Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who left um, uh, a post uh, monitoring this. And, and then I think right now I was on the Pfizer board. And, and, you know, collecting for probably very little work. These are sinecures. These are kind of Hunter Biden jobs, uh, making money uh, based on your name rather than your expertise. You know, it's not to say Dr. Gottlieb doesn't have expertise. He might very, very well give value to Pfizer. But I think the, 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 the problem here is in the kickback feedback uh, loop. And that, this is the crony capitalism. This is the corruption. And the reason we still have an EUA, emergency use authorization, uh, is not because of COVID-19. It's not because people are dropping dead from COVID-19 currently. It's because having the EUA keeps in place the, the ease with which Pfizer and others can present new vaccines such as the bivalent, which have no real kind of human, personal, societal population benefit at all currently. And, and I, again, I'm a pro-virus guy. I'm not an anti-vax guy. Um, I think that viruses, though historically, have always been given before the fact, you know, before an outbreak, not after, not years after, and not repeatedly years after. This is a new phenomenon. What we're seeing now is, in a sense, the, the, the offspring of regulatory capture. That is to say, the government is allowing 
the pharmaceuticals just to make money and churn it out, not helping the people per se, but helping themselves. And then secondarily, we'll see down the line, it's going to pour into you know, party coffers. Uh, we're going to see lots of donations to certain parties that go exceed to this. And the pharmaceuticals have gotten really you know, a sense out of control. And I, I love pharmaceuticals. I have written, you know, <laughs> I don't know, hundreds of thousands of prescriptions over my life. I can't tell you the exact number. Um, I think medication is good. I'm not a, a, a naturopath or a homeopath. I'm an allopathic doctor and we prescribe things. And I think they're the right medicines for the right time. And they're the right vaccines for the right times and the right vaccines for the right people. But right now, I mean, during all during COVID, uh, the, the vaccine should have been focused, should have been given to people at high risk. Um, uh, with, you know, comorbidities and, and advanced age and so forth, not for five-year-olds, not for 10-year-olds, not for nine-year-olds who had no risk. And so when we saw this blurring of the lines, uh, we had real problems. I was recently at a lecture, as I was mentioning uh, before, uh, this was by D Dr. Pierre Corey, and he's pretty much been canceled uh, in the same way that uh, currently, for the opposite reasons, uh, Jordan Tristan Walker, MD, uh, Yale, Pfizer, and so forth, has been canceled and been obliterated. But he was um, promoting uh, ivermectin and certain other, you know, drug cocktails uh, for the treatment of COVID-19 during the prime year uh, of, well, not prime number, but the, the first and most important year of 2020 when there was no vaccine around. And so we were doing Operation Warp Speed, but Warp Speed is not Warp Speed. It took a year and, and um, for the vaccine. And in the meanwhile, there was no reason not to, and this is not my term, this is the legal term, right to try. There, there was no reason not to try you know, give people the right to try other medications when they were in dire circumstances. The right to try law was passed in 2018 under the Trump administration. And I think, a, I'm not sure, maybe there's a Republican Congress and Senate at the time. And the concept is if you're dying from something uh, and some uh, medication has not been approved, but you want to try it, well, what, what's, what is there to lose? You're, you know, there's no real downside to this. And so you have the right to try. And that's what you should do. And that's what you should, you know, be able to do. Um, you have very, you know, very little downside risk. So if the medication kills you, but you were going to die in, you know, two months anyway, I mean, it, it's like, who knows? I mean, you, I assume you, you drop your ability to sue the company that makes it and you go in, into an, a reasonable agreement. And that's that. Um, with ivermectin, um, you know, the things that we're told about, I mean, the, I think the FDA itself put out a tweet that said, we're not pigs, we're not cows. We don't take this as, as if, it, you know, it was supposed to be the horse dewormer. Um, Medication, no doubt, ivermectin is used for that, but so is penicillin, uh, so is amoxicillin. All these medications are used um, in the same way to treat cattle and whatnot as antibiotics. Ivermectin uh, is, is an antiparasitic, but it also has antibiotic, that has antibacterial uses, and it has an anti-lysosomal effect, which um, may very well help with viruses. Uh, the creator uh, of the medication, Japanese guy, can't remember his name, um, he literally won the Nobel Prize for, for finding and, and working on ivermectin. And at the time and all through the interim, if you use the Google um, uh, time filter, you'll see ivermectin has, as having been listed as a wonder drug and having uh, been, been um, brought to bear on SARS-1, uh, 2003. And there were studies and so forth, whether it had efficacy. I, I'm not putting my money on either side of this per se. I'm not betting and gambling whether ivermectin actually works, but it certainly fell into the category of right to try. And it was stampeded. It was obliterated uh, uh, in the same way that, that we see that you know, some that you know the powers can get rid of Hunter Biden's laptop uh, news. They can get rid of uh, Dr. Walker in uh, the current case, or Pfizer, or Project Veritas, or any number of people who are kind of obliterated and blocked from society and so forth. When we you know ostensibly don't live under fascism, we don't live under totalitarianism. 
So we have to fight for it. And we have to have the voice and the reason and the power to, to bring to bear on this. So this is a very important point. Um, so I, I'm not sure exactly how to do this. I'll take suggestions on how to observe and kind of follow the money for people leaving government and the types of jobs and the types of things they get. Uh, they might be secretive, um, you know, it, 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 and it, it's oftentimes arcane. I was speaking with a big real estate developer, a friend of mine, um, who's done major, you know, $100 million projects and so forth in major cities. And he said, um, you know, the bribery that happens um, happens in, in ways you wouldn't expect. It's not like uh, the Sopranos where they drop off a suitcase of cash and whatnot. A lot of times it comes in favors for given loans, um, you know, renting items, giving, uh, you know, relatives jobs and so forth. There's, there's lots of secret ways. I think one of the, you know, ways that I think I've discerned is, is kind of book contracts. Um, when Hillary Clinton was not quite the Hillary Clinton today, she just, um, just first gotten into the New York Senate as a senator, excuse me, the U.S. Senate as a, as a senator from New York, uh, she wrote a book. You know, I don't think the book sold, but she got like a, I don't know what the number was, you know, $20 million contract to write a book. And all she had been at that time was the first lady and now a, a junior senator from New York. And she got all this, this windfall for a book that probably no one is going to read. Um, but but that kind of money, you know, I think goes, it, it's a channel, it's, it's a, a, you know, a channeling effect. And again, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I think there's enough out there to show that people who are in favor of part of this apparatus will be you know, favored with money. And if you're not part of the apparatus, you lose your job. Uh, Dr. Corey, I, I think he's done good work. He hasn't killed anybody. He's probably helped lots of people. And whether, you know, ivermectin is a placebo or not, he has the perfect right to have prescribed it. It is a, an FDA approved drug, as was hydroxychloroquine. Both were FDA approved and both had passed the safety profiles. And, and, and the, the storm of real genuine misinformation about them, um, uh, you know, as if they were for horses or whatever, or, or is it, you're supposed to take it with bleach. And I, I mean, th these were huge exaggerations. They're embarrassing. You know, I would have a hard time telling a fib this big um, to a kid, you know, about uh, Santa Claus or, or Halloween or whatever. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's just amazing uh, that, that these things are, are done to this extent and then uh, passed along as genuine information. Um, so what, what do we have? I, I might just pass on a, a couple of screens. Um, just for the sake of it, let's see if I can uh, um, show you what's on my mind. Well, first of all, if you want to um, go see the, the video, it's on Project Veritas uh, webpage. So here they are, Project Veritas. This is uh, um, Dr. Walker here, if you can see him. Um, yep, I guess you can. Uh, Pfizer is ultimately thinking about mutating COVID. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole quotes. You can, I, I reckon it's a 10-minute video here. It's probably a longer version. Um, and uh, Raheem Kassam, whom I admire, um, he writes the National Pulse. Uh, he says he's donating to Project Veritas because, quite frankly, everyone who can should. Uh, I've donated to them in the past myself. I'm sure that puts me on somebody's enemy, enemies list. Um, but I recommend you look at the, the video uh, of this. Uh, what else? Um, um, There were, I guess that's pretty much all I needed to cover for today. Um, I'm probably going to let, let us go and uh, live, live our lives, see if I can be re relatively succinct here. Uh, I like to, you know, leave with a, a little self uh, plug um, that this is um, uh, my book, uh, Overturning Zika, The Pandemic That Never Was. Um, I recommend you buy it. Uh, it's on Amazon. Um, it's coming out in Brazil uh, shortly. Uh, this is the basic 
uh, concept of the book. Um, you know, Zika had always been uh, kind of a uh, really irrelevant primate virus, and then it was uh, tied to this this um, kind of panic uh, in in Brazil uh, with supposedly with babies with small heads and so forth. But it's disappeared ever since with no explanation. Uh, I, I do think it's somewhat relevant uh, to today uh, because my own again, I, I try not to be a conspiracy guy, but uh, there's been no refutation of the Zika microcephaly concept. And, and as it stands right now, against uh, the NIH, the NIH um, and uh, Walter Reed Hospital's own ethics panel, million dollar blue ribbon ethics panel in 2016 and 17, they recommended against injecting and infecting humans with Zika um, to pursue a vaccine. So they had a full recommendation. There were you know dozens uh, of, of ethicists from all over. They convened. They, they probably had a nice time, um, you know, wine and cheese and, and hotels and so forth paid for speaker fees, and they came up with the fact that there should be no HCT, human challenge trials. Nonetheless, we are doing one today, even though Zika microcephaly has disappeared, has never been in the Americas, excuse me, in, in, um, uh, in the continental U.S., and yet we're injecting and infecting people in uh, Baltimore right now at Johns Hopkins via uh, Dr. Anna Durbin as part of an NIAID grant and so forth. So we're taking U.S. taxpayer money to inject people with Zika in pursuit of a Zika vaccine. Now, let, let's say the vaccine gets made tomorrow. Or the next day. Um, as far as they're concerned, uh, Zika is, is around the corner. It's ready to come back anytime now. And Dr. Derman herself sees it kind of as a locust phenomenon. It's gone and it'll come back. Um, I don't think this is the case. Uh, there had been no, no prior, um, you know, previous uh, rounds of this. Uh, and I think that the connection with microcephaly is very tenuous. Uh, you can read my book on this topic. Um, but, but this is a, a rather pointless affair. Uh, and yet, it's there. So, so what would be the next step? So let's say they had a, a Zika vaccine tomorrow. Well, I think the next thing would be to get the WHO to rubber stamp it and, and do the same kind of mandates we've seen with these other vaccines. And this is really, this is the other half of the message of Dr. Uh, Jordan uh, Tristan Walker, which is that regulatory capture may make these WHO people, uh, CDC, FDA, whatever, all very much in line with the message of having the pharmaceutical companies make some money. There's going to be money enough to spread around to the people in favor, and there's going to be punishment for those who are against. Uh, you will not get your research grants and so forth. I think this is, you know, one of the reasons we see such huge uh, conformity in in thought uh, in science. It's been a very um, kind of uh, dereliction of the scientists, you know, real duty and uh, to ethics. I don't know if they have their own Hippocratic oath, uh, but but you know, the, in in medicine. Our oath is to the patient and to do the best by them, not for ourselves and for our colleagues and or for our research institution or hospital. Um, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, thank you so much. If you enjoyed anything you heard here, please let me know. Uh, feel free to comment.